0: Certainly happens to me where I get ahead and I need to be reminded. But we're going to read this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter six, and uh, we're going to start with the first two verses. Hebrews chapter six, and we're going to start with verse. And we're going to read verses one and two. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And, and as we look here and, and we say that we see that the, the Hebrew writer, which many believe to be Paul, um, I'm kind of persuaded that Paul is the Hebrew writer. But the Hebrew writer's point here, or what his goal is, is that he's directing them to go on unto perfection. He's saying, don't just rest in, in what you have now but continue to strive forward uh until you are uh until you are completed right uh and so we look at this and, and we actually take this back over into the 5th chapter and we go to the end of the 5th chapter uh and and the 5th chapter ends this way for everyone that useth the milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And we know that when a person gets saved, they are a babe in Christ because they've just experienced uh, the new birth, right? They've experienced the birth from above, uh, the birth of, uh, from the Holy Spirit. They've experienced the co- the conviction for their sins, the condemnation that's associated with it, the guilt that's associated with it, and then they've also experienced the goodness and the graciousness of God's mercy and grace, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we see here that, uh, that, uh, that everyone who's, uh, who's in the milk is unskillful. But, but the strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. In other words, he's saying, but you can't just remain a babe. You've got to learn to walk you got to learn to crawl and then you got to learn to walk and then uh as it pertains to the things that you eat you got to you got to slowly begin to wean yourself off just the milk like a, a like a, a newborn baby does and uh and and gradually be introduced into things that are uh that are uh a, a stronger substance uh, than the milk here to provide nourishment and it's in which case it's meat and, uh, and so the, the idea is that we're going to continue to mature as Christians. Now, this verse of Scripture, this chapter scripture, uh, is, is used to, for a lot of things. And one of those things is, uh, is, is the, it's, it's oftentimes pointed to as an example of a person losing their salvation. And we're going we're gonna, to just touch on that slightly. Uh, but uh, but as we get in here, we look at, uh, at the first two verses here. And we look at what Jesus, or, or what the writer is saying. And he says, what is, the, what is it that we're moving on from? Uh, we're moving on from... The foundation of repentance from dead works. What, how is that, what does that mean? Because when you were lost and undone, you were, you were in the bondage of sin, right? Dead to sin. And all the works that you had committed uh, in that whole time were dead works. They, they were not done or borne out by the uh, by the light of the Word uh, and by the love of God. And, and so that being so, they were dead works. And, and so those things, uh, especially those things which are contrary to the Word of God and to the moral character of God, they were dead works and so they are to be repented of. Uh, and then that faith that is... Uh, that is granted to us, uh, is placed toward God in His Son Jesus. Uh, and after having obtained that, then we are, we are subject ourselves to the doctrines of baptism. Uh, and we know that a person had to be saved in order to be baptized. Uh, you can, you can present yourself for baptism and, and you can, uh, provide a, 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 a My brain just went blank on me there for for just a moment. But you can provide a a, a profession of faith uh, and present yourself for baptism and be baptized, but that doesn't save you. The, the, the actual act of baptism does not save the person. The person has to be saved uh, by repentance and faith prior to that. Then the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead, which we've talked about in our in song so much here this morning. Uh, the, this world has uh, has nothing to long for. It has nothing that uh, is to be desired. But in heaven, there's joy unceasing, right? It's a land of endless day. Uh, God, the, the Son, uh, Jesus, is the light. Light of that world, uh, and there's not. He, he and it's so bright. There's no need for a sun. Uh, and so we look here, and we see, uh, uh, and we see that in that day, uh, that's a day of joy and great triumph, as uh, as we've sung about in uh, in heaven's jubilee. Uh, but. Uh, But we look at this and we think, for those that were once enlightened, and this is where they get this, for it is possible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to look at this idea of of completeness or or seeking perfection, uh, and we're going to tie it in here. Uh, Because what does it mean when he says, for those? for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened? What does he mean there? Uh, and, and really simply put, if you study history uh, and you read some of the old historians, uh, baptism was a likened unto enlightenment. Because in order to be baptized, you had to be illuminated, right? You had to have been saved. And, and if you were a proper candidate for baptism, you would have been saved. Uh, and so uh, in that instance here, uh, for those that were once enlightened, uh, in, uh, in, a, in some versions is rendered, some of the older versions, Versions, like the Syriac and the persic versions, they will render it baptized here uh, for the word that in the Greek is translated as enlightened. And, uh, and so we look at that and we think about it from that standpoint. And we look in scriptures and we say, well, is there any instances and any examples that we can look at? Because what's being described can only be described in using one word, and that's apostasy. And so we look here and we say, well, what's the scripture provide? Provide us any answers or any examples of that happening, and of course, Scripture does provide if we would just open our eyes and look and and say, Lord, show me uh, an example of this. And so we've got two main examples, and we're going to stay in the New Testament this morning. We could go to the Old and find uh, several examples, but I'm going to point out two in the New Testament, and then I'm not going to dwell on them very long because I want to look at a much more complicated figure uh, and show him uh, in this in this quest for uh, for completeness or perfectness and so uh, uh, we look first here over in Acts chapter 8. Uh, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 9. There was a man, a, but there was a certain man called Simon. Uh, he lived in Samaria. Uh, he was a sorcerer. And uh, and Philip had gone up into Samaria preaching the word of God. And he was greatly heard. Uh, and there were many that were converted unto him. Now this man Simon, he was a great somebody in that land. From the least to the greatest, he was recognized. Recognized by them, his fame went far and wide in Samaria, uh, and uh, and they knew who he was. And, and so we look at this guy, uh, and it says uh, uh, his name was called Simon, which beforehand in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he that himself was some great uh, was some great one. "...to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God." So here you have Philip going up into Samaria. There's a man in Samaria who the people of Samaria look at that man, and they say, He is the great power of God. Imagine that. And so here uh, he sees Philip come up out of Samaria, and Philip, uh, using the actual power of God, which is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Right, which is uh, uh, first preached to the Jews, but then also to the Greek. Uh, We see here he comes preaching to uh, Jesus Christ, and there are great multitudes that are converted unto him, so many so that this man who was once regarded as the great power of God by the people in Samaria, that he himself decided he needed to unite himself with them. (laughs) And so the Bible says, and Simon believed also. And he was baptized in verse 13. Then the, then the apostles down in Jerusalem, they dispatch John and Peter and they say, Hey, John and Peter, we've heard that Philip has just broken out a great revival up in Samaria and we need you guys to go and to verify it and confirm it and make sure that that work is established and rooted in the truth of the gospel, in the teachings of Jesus Christ. That Philip is not up there teaching them something that's contrary. Well, they got up there and they never said a word to Philip about anything that he had done wrong the only thing that they had done is they made a, a an, an observation where they had looked and they had they had noticed that these people had not experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit yet it had not come upon them and so they took them they laid their hands on them and the Holy Spirit entered into them and this man uh, Simon Magus that's his that's his name uh, he's regarded as Simon the sorcerer in the Bible uh, but Simon Magus saw this this power uh, that the apostles had and he looks at them and he says, how much is going to cost me to be able to do that? You know, we can say we're saved. <laughs> we can present ourselves for baptism but if our wife doesn't dictate, and show that we're saved, then it's going to manifest itself in some way, isn't it? And here for Simon uh, Magus, it manifested himself in that he asked, how much money will it cost for me to be able to lay hands on somebody and have the Holy Spirit enter in them too? Peter took great exception. And I, we're going to, we're going to spend a little more time on Peter than we are on Simon Magus, but Peter took great exception to this. Peter says to him, uh, he says this, um, in verse 18, uh, oh sorry, verse 20, Peter says unto him, Thy money perish with thee. See that money that we want to pile up in the bank account? <laughs> all that stuff that we want to accumulate, all that stuff's going to go away. All that remember, we, we a foundational principle of the Bible, a foundational principle of Christianity is the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and then what happens afterward. Those of us that's been saved are received into everlasting habitations of joy and gladness in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and those who are not are condemned to an eternity in hell. And hell and death are actually cast in the lake of fire. That's a foundational doctrinal principle. The resurrection of the dead, it's not if the resurrection is going to happen, it's when is the resurrection going to happen. It's not if Judgment Day is coming, it's when is Judgment Day coming. And so we should look at every day as if every day is going to be the day of the resurrection and the day of judgment. And say, Lord, use me today. for thy great honor and thy power. And, and, and make me so that I can, everything that I do speaks well of you. If you're gonna do anything, do it. As, of, as to the Lord, is what the Bible says. So we're going to go back over here. We're going to finish up on Simon Magus. Peter looks at him and says in verse 21, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. Right? You, have no, no, you are not an apostle. You don't have the ability to do this. It's not been granted to you by Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, as a matter of fact, you were known as the great power of God before Philip came up here preaching the gospel, and now here you are wanting to be able to lay to 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 impart the Holy Spirit to people. You don't have partner lot in this matter. And then he says this to him, to his face, he says, "For thou for <laughs> for thy heart is not right in the sight of God." Peter looked at him and said, "You're not saved." <laughs> He says, repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Verse 23 is where we're going to end there. And he says, for I perceive thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. You couldn't say to a man that he's not saved any more straight and plain than what Peter said to Simon Magus. Now you could say if it ended there that that may have just been a one-off occurrence. The man who he's talking to here is generally regarded as the father of Gnosticism. And what's a foundational teaching of Gnosticism? That God is unknowable. And this is a man who later, after this interaction, uh, in the history books it's recorded, that this is a man that came back into Samaria after going into the Gentile nations and and continuing on with his charade because he had lost all power and effect there. He came back into the Gentile nations with his Gnostic doctrine and he proclaims himself to be God the Father in Samaria and God the Son in Judea and the Holy Spirit in the rest of the world. That guy can't be saved if that's the things he's advocating for. So we're going to we're gonna leave off with him. And we're going to go to John chapter 13 and 30. And we're going to look at another example here. Uh, and we're going to look at Judas. And we touched on Judas last week. And we're not going to rehash all of that. But uh, in verse 30 of John chapter 13, it says this about Judas. And when he had received the sop, went out immediately. And it was he went immediately out. And it was night. In other words, Judas... He turned around from following after Christ, didn't he? And he made his decision what he was going to do. He made the decision that he was going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver, and that's what he did. Now... I'm only going to touch all we're going to touch on Judas, but I want us to look at the relationship between Judas's apostasy and Peter. And Peter ties back in with Simon Magus too, right? And so we're thinking about this topic of seeking perfection, and there's not a better case study or character study than Peter when you're talking about somebody who's in the flesh um a born of man uh that needs that 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 struggles on the road or the walk of seeking perfection so we're going to look here at Simon Peter uh Simon Peter we're going to we're going to go first we're going to go first to the 16th chapter of Matthew Sixteenth chapter of Matthew. Jesus begins teaching in the sixteenth chapter of Matthew of that he has to die, right? That he must be offered for the sins of mankind. Matthew chapter sixteen, verse twenty-one. From that time began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Uh, and be raised again the third day verse 22 and then peter took him and began to rebuke him saying be it far from thee lord thou this shall not be unto thee now look at this jesus said it is necessary right i must go to jerusalem and i must be offered and must suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed he says i must do this jesus is not talking Talking about it in terms of it's a, a choice that he's making. He's saying this is the end to which I was born. I was born to be a vicarious offering for the sins of mankind. For every person, from the Jew first, and also to the Greek, everybody, Jesus paid the sin debt for everybody in the world. And if you're here today and you're lost, that's really what you need to understand. How is it that I'll know when I'll be lost? Well, when the Holy Spirit lets you know that you're guilty of the sins that you've committed against God and condemnation comes on you and you feel the fear associated with it and then you start seeking mercy uh, like somebody who's convicted of a crime and they have nothing else to do but to call on the court for mercy. uh, As the old saying goes, I throw myself upon the mercy. Of the court, there's there's people in here who know who's familiar with that. They work in the court system, but. Uh, When you don't have anything else to plead, when you know you're guilty and there's no escape from the judgment, then that's all you have left to do, isn't it? Just to throw yourself upon the mercy of the court. Well, Jesus is the judge. (laughs) And so when you know you're condemned, you go to the judge and you say, Judge, just just grant me mercy, grant me grace, and grant me leniency. Uh, And uh, if you do it, and and he knows it's sincere, (laughs) he'll grant it. He grants it every time. But Peter says, you're not going to do that. (laughs) I'm not going to permit it. (laughs) No way. No how. No. Peter took him and began to rebuke him and said, be it far from thee, Lord, that this shall be done unto thee. Now, why would Peter do that? We touched on Judas. And still today, there are... Amongst the Jewish religion, right, and and actually, sadly, amongst a lot of the Christian religion, they're looking for a reconstituted Jewish kingdom there in uh, in Israel, in Palestine. Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." <laughs> My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. My kingdom is a kingdom without borders and without walls. Uh, and so we see here that uh, that Jesus uh, begins to rebuke him. But Peter first says, uh, Be it far from thee, Lord, that you would be killed. Why? Because Peter is of the same mindset that uh, the kingdom needs to be restored and that Jesus is the one who's going to restore the kingdom. Uh, and so Peter, it's Peter and not Judas uh, that's wrapped up in this ideology. In this mindset. And, and so Jesus looks at him and he says, uh, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, why would he call him Satan? Because if we might be saved, uh, if we are going to advocate for things that are contrary to God, then we're God's adversary. And we're behaving as God's adversary. And God is not going to tolerate that. He says to Peter, "...Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but of men." Peter goes from that, and very quickly he finds himself in another position. In John chapter 13 and 36, John recorded it this way, the Gospel of John. Uh, he says this, Simon Peter uh says unto the Lord, Whither goest thou? And Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? Listen to what he says. I lay down my life for thy sake. I lay down my life for Thy sake. Peter went from in one in one one instance of of, of telling of rebuking the Lord and saying, "I'm not going to you're not going to be killed. Be it far from you." To then saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna go with you all the way to Calvary, and, and I'm gonna be sacri- I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna die with you." Peter's all over the place, isn't he? <laughs> oh, don't worry. We he's gonna go back the other direction here in just a minute. Uh, he's gonna go back the other direction. Jesus looks at Peter and he says this to him. He says, "Wilt thou lay down my life, lay down thy life for my sake?" He, quit, he asked, that's a question he asks him, "Will you do that, Peter? Christ responds, verily, verily, or truly, truly or surely, surely, I say unto thee that the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice." Cock won't crow, Peter, until you've denied me three times. Wait, what? Peter just said, Lord, I'm going to die with you. Remember, Jesus had told him, he said, Hey, Peter, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Hey, when you have an actual understanding of what my goal and my my, my of what the point is for you, uh, strengthen the brethren. So look here. Peter goes from saying I'm going to go all the way and I'm going to die with you. This is this is following the this is at the at the uh, at the at the at the, uh, at the Passover there that they were observing or at the Lord's at the Lord's supper then they go out and they go into the Mount of Olives. And we're going to use Mark chapter 14 for this. Mark 14, 35 through 37. Then they all go out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus takes He takes Peter, he takes John and James with them. They separate themselves from the other, the other apostles. And then Jesus separates himself from the three of them. And he goes and he prays. Now, I used Mark specifically because Mark records it that Jesus spoke it to Peter specifically. Mark 14, 35-37. And he went, he went forward a little, and he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from Him, that's Jesus praying to the God, the Father, and saying, "If it's Thy will, Lord, let this cup pass from me. If not, let Thy will be done and not mine." And there's where that's the lesson that Peter has to learn, isn't it? It's Thy will, Father, not mine. And even in today, in the church, in the day, in the age that we live in, that's the great conflict, isn't it? That's the great conflict, is we want too many times our own will be done instead of us saying, God, what would you have for us to do? See, Jesus resigned himself to the fact of the death on the cross there at the Mount of Olives that night. He knew what his fate was. uh, And here, Peter had just moments before uh, said, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to die with you. Uh, And then here, uh, he goes out and Jesus has separated himself and he's praying so earnestly that his sweat became as great drops of blood uh, and that happens when you're under extreme stress Uh, but uh, he comes back to them he comes back to them and he says and he finds them sleeping and he says Peter now, why would he single out? Why would Mark write down that he singled out Peter? Because Peter was the always the one that was the most impetuous of the group and would always behave as if he were the mouthpiece for them. And so, uh, and Peter would always per, uh, behave in a way uh, where uh, uh, where he was uh, the one that was the most earnest or the most zealous for it. And he says, Peter, Simon, you know. He had to call him by his first name, you know, it's I'm a middle name child <laughs> like Simon Peter. I always knew when I was in trouble when my mom would use my first name. <laughs> I knew it. it it was it was not pretty when that happened. And so the lord comes back and he says, "Peter." And then he goes, "Simon." And then he look he says, so you're you're asleep? <laughs> Sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? And isn't that an amazing feat that Peter goes from at one moment, he says, I'll go all the way with you, Lord, and I'll die with you. And in the next moment, he couldn't wait an hour. <laughs> at least that's what's recorded, that he couldn't watch an hour while the Lord had separated himself to pray. And so we see this. Peter is in this great struggle, isn't he, to really understand what Paul is writing about or what the Hebrew writer is writing about in terms of seeking perfection, seeking completeness. Peter is awakened from his slumber again. Actually, no, his slumber continues on. Uh, We go over into John chapter 21, uh, and we're going to read about the slumber that's still taking place. Uh, And uh, uh, at the beginning of that chapter, I believe it's in the third or the fourth verse, this is uh, after the death of Christ, and and Peter makes the statement Uh, at the beginning of that chapter. John records it this way. He says, I go fishing. I go fishing. Well, why? Because he's gone. <laughs> and I guess I'll just go back to doing what I did before. He's awake, but spiritually he's still slumbering, isn't he? He ain't awake. Now you could say that's his grief taking over, but I think it's more grief because the opposite of hate or love isn't hate. The opposite of love is apathy and he just strikes me as apathetic in the moment. Indifferent. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so he says, I'm gonna I'm gonna go fishing. And, they, and then they see Jesus on the, uh, on the shore and John, uh, John, who never referred to himself by his name. He always referred to himself by, uh, himself as the, uh, the apostle whom uh, uh, Jesus, or the disciple whom he loved. And so, uh, and so we see here uh, in the 15th verse and, uh, through the 17th verse it says So when they had died, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest me now? Lovest me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord. And now he's going to repeat this exercise three times. He says, Thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. What did we say about the fifth fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews? Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word. Why? Because he's a babe. Beat my lambs, Peter. The new converts teach them the first principles. Teach them to observe them and never to depart from them. And that's what we If we really look at the day and the age we live in, we've got too many people that have departed from the, even the basic principles. And, and so we look here, and uh, and he goes on and he asks again, and he saith unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Now look, it's not that Peter ever stopped loving the Lord, but he is, his life demonstrated that he did. <laughs> right? He said, I, I, guess, I guess we'll just go fishing. He says, You know that I love you, Lord. And then he says, Well, feed my sheep. Those that have come off of the milk and they've started uh, being able to digest strong meat, Peter, feed my sheep uh make sure that they continue to grow in in grace and knowledge of the truth and, and so here he continues on again and he saith unto him a third time Simon son of Jonas lovest thou me and by this time Peter is grieved he is uh, uh he is uh distraught that the lord keeps questioning the love that he has for him uh, and and he says uh he says lord thou knowest all things Yes, he does, Peter. <laughs> he does know all things. <coughs> and so you need to learn a lesson, Peter. There's one head of the church, there's one lawgiver. And you're talking to him. <laughs> It's the man Christ Jesus. He's the head of his church. He is the chief lawgiver, but he did uh, uh, he did give the, the churches the authority to make changes when necessary. And the apostles did that. And the first thing that they changed was they got rid of the doctrine of circumcision because it was a, a doctrine that was at odds with the, the, with the creation of the new creature uh, from uh, the Jewish background and the Gentile background. It caused too much division in the church. So one of the first things they did away, did away with was that doctrine of circumcision. Lovest thou me... Lord, thou knowest all things. You're omniscient. (laughs) Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him again, Feed my sheep. God's plan for us is to continue to grow. If we look today and we say, well, what is it that we need to do? Is we need to teach that you must be born again to be saved? But that's not the end of the conversation. That's the beginning of the walk. And from there, we leave those first principles and we push forward into completeness, into understanding a better way in which we can truly reveal ourselves to be the children of God that we say we are. What was the issue with Peter? The issue with Peter was Peter had a desire that he would be viewed as the number one apostle. <laughs> he had some ambition in his, uh, in his heart. He wanted to be number one. He wanted to be viewed that way, uh, and we see this in Luke chapter 22, right? We're going to look at this 22 through 24, 31 through 32. We're just taking a couple parts here, and, and then we're going to close out with Hebrews chapter 7. Uh, uh, and truly, the Son of Man go as, as and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed, folks. The people who say that 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 they, they try to make a martyr in some way out of Judas or try to make some sort of nobility in Judas, uh, they, they directly contradict Christ. Because Christ is recorded as saying, but woe unto the man that is uh, by whom the, he is betrayed. God doesn't, does not say woe lightly. God does not say woe lightly. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it should be that would do this thing. And there, so we're backing up a little bit. And there, So after they were describing about who's going to be the worst of us, meaning who's going to be the one that betrays the Lord, then they shift gears and then they start arguing about who's going to be the best. <laughs> because if there's a worst, there's got to be a best, isn't there? And there was also a strife among them about which should be accounted the greatest. Right? Who's going to be the least? Well, who's going to be the greatest? And Peter always put up a front. And I'm going to say it that way. Peter always made a pretension or portention that he was the greatest of the apostles. And he would fail time and time again, wouldn't he? Let's, Let's look at it. Peter (laughs) All we have to do is look Jesus said I've got to be killed Peter said -uh." (gasps) Nuh-uh You haven't delivered the kingdom yet He gets rebuked and he gets called Satan because he stands in, 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 in odds to the cause of Christ. Then, at, then as he's teaching them about going on to Calvary and dying at Calvary, Peter says, "I'll go with you, but I can I'll go all the way with you to Calvary, but I can't wait an hour while you're praying." <laughs> he's a roller coaster, isn't he? He's up and down. If we're really with the Lord. We're constant, aren't we? We're even. And so we look here at Peter. We look at Peter. Then then it, he's dead and he says, well, let's go fishing. That's what. That's all I knew before, so I guess we'll fall back to that. We'll go back into that old life. When you get saved, you don't get saved to revert back to what you were. God calls you to move forward to the high calling and the prize of Christ and His Kingdom, and, and we're going to touch on that in just a minute here. Uh, and uh, and so we see this. Uh, Peter was all the time doing this, and so here he's they, they're having this this argument over who's going to be the greatest. And of course, before Christ was sacrificed, he denied him three times, just as the Lord said he would. So they're having this argument over who's going to be the greatest. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desire to sift you that hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. see s- s- even Satan even Satan picked up in, s- in Simon Peter that there was that he there was something in there that I can get a foothold in with him and uh, and so uh, and so he says that he may sift you as wheat. So what's the difference between Simon who's a roller coaster? And Judas, who actually pretends himself to be fairly even, except for the fact that he doesn't really even love the Lord. He loves money, as we talked about last week. Here it is. If you've been saved, you've got an advocate in heaven. (laughs) You've got an advocate that sits on the throne in heaven right now. Listen to what he says to him. He says, but I have prayed for thee, Peter. In other words, before the event ever happens, I already know it's gonna happen. Remember, what did he have to, what did he say to him after the third time when Jesus answered him or questioned him if he loved him? He said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Jesus knew it way back before any of it take, had taken place. Jesus knew all of it that was gonna happen. And, and here he says, but thou know, he, but here he, Jesus says to him, uh, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Jesus made intercession on the behalf of Peter. And aren't you here this morning? And I know, listen, we all are going to fail. We're all going to go up and we're all going to go down uh, from time to time. Uh, The goal is that we would be even all the time, right? But we find ourselves more like Peter. I know I do. I find myself more like Peter than I do like John. I think John was just even all the time. I think that's why he's referred to as as the disciple whom the Lord loved. Peter was a hot mess a lot of times right john wasn't uh john was uh, john was the rock that Peter was expected to be, wouldn't he, right? When he named him Cephas. Uh, and so here, not a big rock either, a little rock. <laughs> Let's not get that confused. And, and so he says, But when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now that's not his conversion in terms of when he got saved. That's when he comes to a fuller understanding, right? That's when he understands fully. What are they arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? Well, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The servant. (laughs) The servant's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Peter. It's not about what you want. It's not about the desire that you have. It's you've got to be a servant in God's house if you're going to be great in God's house. To that point about Jesus being the, being our intercessor, now, we're going to close with Hebrews chapter thir- chapter 7, 22 through twenty five. By so much was Jesus made of a surety of a better testament, and they that truly were many, and, and they truly were many priests, because they uh, they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, uh, being Christ Jesus, because he continueth forever uh hath an uh, continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood uh the priesthood of Jesus Christ is unchangeable it's after the order of melchizedek and it says wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. Aren't you glad to know that there's a way to be saved? And there's a way to be saved beyond anything that this world has to offer. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can actually accomplish that thing. And then after we've been saved, what does he say here? He says uh, that he's able to save them to the uttermost that come to God. that come unto God by Him, the only way we have access to the Father is through the Son uh, and seeing that He liveth forever or He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Aren't you thankful that Jesus paid the price at Calvary so that you could be saved first and foremost and that after you've been saved that you've got an advocate in heaven that's sitting at the right hand of the Father and saying, Let it slide, Father. (laughs) He's gonna have to, he's gonna have to repent for it, uh, but let him slide. Peter had to repent for it every time, didn't he? Why do you have to say it three times? Well, he denied him three times, didn't he? He denied him three times. How do we seek perfection? We'll fall, but we have to get up and continue to walk forward, don't we? Uh, we'll fall, but we will got, we got to get up and continue to walk forward. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna close with going back and revisiting. Uh Hebrews chapter 6. So we look here at Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, and, and it's impossible for those that were once enlightened, those that have been baptized, given a profession of faith and said, I have been saved, I have been redeemed, bringing forth fruits, meat for repentance, and then be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and uh, and and then uh, and then joined to the household and the family of God uh, and made partakers of the Holy Ghost is what it says because they, are, uh, they have United themselves to them, uh, and uh, and then tasted the good word of God. They've heard the pr- the word preached. Uh, they've they've heard it, and they've experienced all the things that came after the word preached. Uh, and they've heard about the powers of the world to come and the greatness that will be therein. Uh, and so, if they shall fall away, to renew, renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified in themselves the Son of God afresh, put him to an open shame, folks. It's not possible. If God is your advocate in heaven and God is making intercession on your behalf, if you've been truly saved, you can't lose it. You can't lose it. But if you just came up and said, "I've been saved. Here's the I did this and I did that." And we 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 want to say that nobody would do that. Our desire is to believe nobody would do that. We have at least two examples in the New Testament where that happened. Simon Magus in Samaria and Judas. And Jesus said, Have not I called you twelve, and one of you is a devil. And so we see here this morning, folks, this world is a roller coaster and it's up and down. We need to try to be as steady as we can be but it's going to affect us at times we got an advocate in heaven a mediator in heaven Christ Jesus the only mediator between God and man no matter what anybody says he's the only mediator that we have let's strive together let's strive together what a great day God's given us Great songs. Great spirit this morning in the service. God that loves us and wants to see us thrive as His children. Let us go on to perfection. Brother Williams.